0: Ladies and gentlemen, what is going on? It is your boy Rufus back with another installment of the Rufus Rundown, episode 2 of what is already the fourth season of the Rufus Rundown. We are at the Rufus Rundown, site B, we are in my college dorm, Uh, back using the MacBook. I didn't bring the PC with me, I'm hoping to make some improvements in the mobility of the Rundown and where I can bring it and the things I can do with it. Uh, Those changes will be soon to come, Uh, hopefully. Either way, one way or another, that is going to come in the future. Uh, Hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, I should be doing this well enough in terms of... I'm looking at my computer right now to make sure. Nothing is exploding. There's no overloads anywhere. I'm not getting any error messages. And um, let me see. Is there... I don't think we're getting any pickup. I mean, personally, I'm going to test it um, to see if I'm getting any pickup from... The heating fans from, or the cooling fans I'd say. well, they are heating fans because they pretty much just overheat, and it sounds like my computer is a ticking time bomb and just wants to explode. Um, so we're trying to avoid that, just desperately. Editing it, and then uploading it, and then it rendering and all that, That that's a whole separate deal, but if we can make it through the recording, I have hope. 720p, man, I we're going to be doing it 720p. Not ideal. Not ideal. But you know what? We'll live with it. Uh, rocking 720p, you know, it's, it's, it is it's what it is, you know, the audio version of this will come out, and I'll be happy with the audio version. Uh, Lord knows how long, it's, like I said, how long it's going to take to encode everything, get everything done the way I need it to be done. We will cross all those bridges, and we will make it through this together. Uh, but anyways, uh, you can see the strip of ads down this right-hand side of the screen. Um, the Rufus Rundown, uh, Know Yourself. Ethan Sousa design and Jared Ansel's uh, performance strength and conditioning. Um, every logo on there outside of the Ansel's strength in performance has been done by the one and only Ethan Souza. An Ethan Sousa design, any of your graphic design needs, hat, shirts, anything you need done. Um, events. You want to start your own podcast, anything like that, you need a logo and you need to get it done for the right price through the right guy, with the right design, that is Ethan Souza Design. so check out his information in the link in the description, uh, and the link's on my social media as well. Uh, so, we'll, you know, like I said, site B, we'll, we'll get into this one. Uh, we got the NFL, the super wildcard weekend to break down, um, you know, between the Cowboys, the Cardinals, the Bengals, and, you know, all that, uh, as well as uh, Mel Kiper Jr. dropping his first mock draft of the year, no trades, or anything, which of course there will be in that first round. Uh, and just like, you know, based off of team needs and just where guys stand and what he's heard and what he personally likes. Uh, more of a McShay guy myself, but Mel Kuyper, you know, one of the first big things. One of the big the big draft guys dropping his first mock draft of the year. So we're going to go through a couple of those picks and talk about it. I personally am a big fan of who we're getting. Of course, trades and stuff will happen, so we shall see how that goes exactly Uh, NFL coaching positions, where I think the best fits are with the openings, who belongs there, uh, who I think should be getting more looks, who the, you know, the people who also look at this too, like CBS and ESPN, and other analysts and journalists that also take a peek, where the favorites lie, who the favorites are. A lot of them I have my personal opinion, some of them I genuinely have no clue what these teams are going to do going forward, and who the hell would even want the job. Um, So... Those will be more up in the air, and I will go based off of what other people are really favoring and what I think. Uh, a couple of guys that I think should deserve looks and who doesn't. Uh, we'll break that down as well as Kyrie Irving's return. Where does he stand? How has it been? Him just playing on the road, not really practicing with the team. Uh, you know, Kyrie being Kyrie, and not Flat Earth Kyrie. Like this is just peaked way above like Flat Earth Kyrie. This is well, well above the behaviors of Flat Earth Kyrie. Uh, the KD injury, uh, of course, and uh, what does all of it mean for the NBA, and I will you know, then transition into the NBA trade deadline, the Celtics trade, the bull bowl, bowl trade. Of course, I'll break all that down, and that's what we got for today. So I guess kicking it off with like, I guess that's the opening monologue in a sense, but the pushing P trend, here we go. The, the older crowd that watches this, like my parents, and the older crowd, the, the people that have no idea what I'm talking about. And quite honest with you, as a 22-year-old that has normally understood a lot of the social media trends that go down, a lot of them not even getting to, you know, the the older generations and whatnot, pushing P, while I do grasp it, for whatever reason, I'm a grouchy old man. I'm screaming, I'm, I'm yelling and screaming for these kids to get off my grass. I don't, what the fuck is pushing P? I, do, I don't understand the trend. I, 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 I do and I don't. It means everything it doesn't. At the end of the day, if something is good or not good, or cool or not cool, or acceptable, not acceptable, just address it as that. Why do we have to come up with something else that means entirely different? They I just, let's just create trends to create trends now, as if there aren't enough going around. And this is the one that catches, of all the trends and movements and things going on, this is the one that catches. I, I don't know. I don't I, know. I, I, truthfully don't know. I'm I'm growing old and grouchy at 22 years old. I guess. I guess it's how it is. I'm just screaming and yelling, get off, get off my grass right now. Um, but I don't get it. I don't, I'm not behind it. But if anybody asks me, yes, I am indeed pushing P. So throughout all that, I was able to make it through all that without, as I, as I look again, I'm just very overprotective or, or just <laughs> super aware of the fact that my computer uh, is going to it is not liking me right now. My MacBook is my MacBook Pro is not built for this kind of stuff, um, and like I said, will not be in too much use that much longer. But anyways, we open it up with the Cardinals getting absolutely shellacked by the LA Rams. I mean, 34 to 11. It was just an ugly game throughout. Uh, Kyler Murray never really getting comfortable, and of course his numbers without DeAndre Hopkins continue to, you know, show that you need DeHop. They can, he continues to show that he struggles without DeAndre Hopkins. Um, of course, Matt Stafford and the Rams step right back into it. Odell Beckham looking, uh, like his old New York Giants self, uh, finally coming back into that role, something that I didn't really think we would see, uh, really in terms of that form ever again. And I still don't think he's really that complete of a guy because you have the guy in Cooper Cup who statistically wins the Triple Crown for receivers is going to draw a whole hell of a lot of attention. Odell has no excuse but to put up the numbers in those games and to succeed in this offense. McVay, Stafford, and a receiver in Cup that's going to draw all the attention. He has literally no excuse but to be the guy that he is. So, he shows up in this one big time. The Rams really struggle going into the end of it, and that is why I took Arizona leading into this game. Of course, we'll address our picks. um, um, Hopefully, another special with Chris Santos. Hopefully, that is to come. Um, I should, hopefully, I think Friday. Friday, I'd be able to do that. So, that would be very nice if I was able to do that Friday. But anyways, we will address that um, in our picks and where we stand with our brackets and make our picks for the next round. So, I had the Cardinals. I thought Kyler Murray was going to do it, eight and one on the road. I thought Kyler Murray was going to lock in, win this one, and really just jump onto the scene. And of course, he he didn't. He didn't. The, the Cardinals struggled. He was uncomfortable the entire game, and the Rams just dominated. There, I I could tell from just that first drive, that Sony Michelle run. I literally the Sony Michelle run where I just, yeah, no. The, the Cardinals weren't having it. The three and out into the Sony Michelle that rips off the big run, even though the Rams stalled from there. There was just a sense. I just had a sense with that game from that run on that there was going that the Rams had this one and they just utterly dominated throughout. Uh, I mean, you know the Cardinals. You know, give it your own, by the way there at the end, but just an utterly dominating performance from the Rams and as they'll travel to Tampa Bay to try and set up uh, upset Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. But again, just dominating performance from the LA Rams that was one where the second half was I was I was asleep by watched the I had to rewatch the um, the NFL game pass the condensed version just to catch up on it see it was gross 28 nothing at a point oh man I mean they're gonna be they're, their stadium um, will host Super Bowl 56 so I mean he could also have the storyline of them playing um, you know at home in the Super Bowl in a sense if they're able to make it there. All of their acquisitions came together. Like I said, Odo Beckham, Vaughn Miller, all those guys come around. Cooper Cup gets in the end zone. Stafford, another acquisition, you know, doing doing his thing. I don't think they have a pick until the fifth fifth round this year. So, obviously, a lot of weight on these guys' shoulders. And Sean McVay, uh, who hasn't yet to make it back to the Super Bowl since he did with Jared Goff and then lost to the Patriots. Um, so, we shall see. We'll, we shall see what the future holds for an L.A. Ramsey uh, LA Rams team with a lot to prove. Everybody there really with a chip on the shoulder with a lot to prove in terms of Vaughn Miller as he passed. Uh, Cooper Cup can you know can he continue to do what he's doing. Uh, Odell Beckham can he become that guy from New York again? And can Matt Stafford be a playoff winning quarterback? And can Sean McVay win the big one? I mean, a lot of storylines are you know, supporting uh LA, the Rams having to prove people wrong. So it sets them up pretty well heading to Tampa Bay. So, of course, the next one to talk about, I mean, I talked about the Monday night one, and, of course, I'll talk about the other big one, maybe the biggest one, considering America's team was involved, was the 49ers upset of the Dallas Cowboys at home, the only home team to not move on to the divisional round. Dallas Cowboys really just beating themselves with the amount of penalties that they had, um, just shooting themselves in the foot over and over again. It looks like they were not prepared to play that game. And just really, really struggling and doing everything they could to lose that game. But still, by the end of it, still had a chance to win that vict- uh, win that game. Um, and it comes down to the referee not being able to get to the ball. Dak throwing it to his center instead of the referee. Um, I don't see that as a fault of the referee. I don't really see it as a fault of anyone. I mean, I'm not going to put any blame there. It's just it's just how the cookie crumbles in all reality. And I I can't place really any blame there. It's a shitty situation. I mean, I realistically thought that because of it, they were going to give the Cowboys one play as of how it went. But considering how the rule book goes, not that the entire wild card weekend really adhered to the rule book as we get into the Bengals and Raiders games uh, later. But um, yeah, as according to the rule book, they they called the game there, and that was it. I mean. Debo Samuel had a pretty good day. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo threw the pick. You could have thought that could have been a turning point. The, you know, the, the one thing you worry about with Jimmy, but Jimmy Garoppolo, in all reality, outplayed Dak Prescott. Um, the 49ers still played a pretty sloppy game themselves, but at the end, they just had more. They just had a better playmaker in Debo Samuel to get it done. I think that it comes down to that big Debo Samuel run uh, to pull away for San Fran and. Dallas with 10 points in the fourth, trying to make it 17 to pull off a miraculous comeback where San Fran would have covered. Uh, of course, I had Dallas. I had picked Dallas as well as Chris picking Dallas. I was 4-2 with my picks. I don't know if I addressed the fact that I was 4-2, which is yeah, good. It's above 500. It's uh, more wins than losses. That's a pretty I'm pretty good at what I do. Of course, Chris went 5-1, but both of us being above 500, uh pretty good deal. But the Cowboys, we both picked. And they both fell, uh, both of our picks, you know, of course being the Cowboys, the Cowboys falling to the 49ers in a game where I thought Shanahan was on his way to really, again, blowing another one of these big games. But uh, when it comes down to it, it's it's McCarthy's team, where I thought I really don't think McCarthy's really the answer going for. Like I said, Jimmy G really outplayed Dak, which is what you wouldn't have expected. And I understand Dak's dealt with, like, with a crazy injury and leaving the pocket. But he's one of the best athletes on the field. And I just don't understand why he refuses to make plays on the go and in the pocket. His eyes seem so locked downfield at times. And he just seems so stuck in that pocket. Where he refuses to move because afraid of getting hurt. But you play tentative like that. You are still bound to get hurt if you're playing at a half speed or not doing entirely what you want to do so it really is kind of mind-boggling to me. see when he runs that one in he should have been doing that a lot more of course he runs the qb draw in the game this makes no sense if with this take with the when you look at the last lasago plays of him moving just fine but he needs to do it more when there's not nine seconds left in the game and they're running a qb draw that is what we don't want we don't want him running there but he can make plays with his legs and he doesn't even have to necessarily make that play with his legs, but just get the throw off. He doesn't have to run for all the yards. He just, his, his pocket maneuverability for an ath for an athlete of his caliber, I think substantially has to get better in terms of, and maybe his mobility was still hampered from the injuries that he'd suffered. But at the end of the day, it needs to get better for him to be, an elite-level quarterback for the Cowboys, and I have yet to see it yet. You see flashes of it. You see flashes of the five touchdown games. You do see flashes of the elite-level Dak Prescott, but it's nowhere near consistent enough, and I think his maneuverability and mobility in the pocket, even though he is a great athlete and has you know great downhill speed, needs to improve for him to really take his game to the next level. Uh, just Debo Samuel, that's really all that needs to be said uh, for the 49ers. The, any way you can get that guy the ball he is going to do something with it uh, in, in the positive way. Uh, almost picks up that long third down attempt, too. They call it short, and then the false start forces them to punt instead of the fourth and inches when they got the sneak. As Tony Mama noted in the broadcast, Jimmy G being a uh, great student at the Tom Brady School of QB Sneaks while he was in New England, but Debo Samuel is a fantastic playmaker, um, and it's something that I think the Packers certainly have to worry about uh, with that big game coming up in Lambeau, Uh, Aaron Rodgers welcoming them in, but of course, the upset over the Cowboys by the 49ers, which was everybody's favorite pick as an upset, like I said, I like to fade the public a lot when it comes to when they fade the Cowboys, and the odds don't move the way I want, this one I just saw, I just thought it would come down to quarterback play, I thought Dak would outplay Jimmy G, it goes the other way. And Dak gets outplayed by Jimmy G. Debo just you know outplays pretty much any playmaker on that Dallas offense. It turns out that you know Pollard fighting back, uh, Micah Parsons fighting back from COVID. They at times look sh- uh, shaken up, uh, not at their peak level, missing reps, of course, and Ezekiel Elliott having the torn PCL. But that's all stuff they'll have to address. And I'll address what I think should uh, happen to Mike McCarthy going forward as well later on in the show. But uh, at this point, with the two games that I've addressed, I was. These are the two picks that I was 0-2 on. Uh, but some of them more you know, this is probably the most entertaining game of the weekend with the uh, Bengals and Raiders behind. Every other game was pretty much a snooze fest, but this one was pretty damn entertaining and only for the reason of the penalties and the sloppiness of the game because that's what kept it close. Uh, the game itself, you know, had some flashy moments, but uh, like I said, Dallas, the only home team to not move on to the next round of the playoffs. Um, America's team dropping it to the 49ers. So, of course, the other very entertaining game of the weekend was the Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals getting their first playoff win in 31 years. Joe Burrow, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Again, a very another very clean game from Joe Burrow. Uh, touchdown and interception for Derek Carr. The other way, uh, Josh Jacobs on a bad day on the ground. Uh, would have liked to have seen him better in the red zone, allowing the Raiders to have more success punching it in. Uh, Joe Mixon, not a bad start to the day. Slowed as he went. Uh, Jamar Chase, again, just a absolute stud of a playmaker, uh, adding 23 rushing yards as well as 116 receiving yards. Uh, Waller was welcomed back in by the Raiders with 7 for 76. Renfro, 8 catches for 58. And the Sean Jackson, the one big play had a big play, but he also had a huge drop in that game. So, I mean, if you want to talk about it, everybody talked about it. it was the the whistle that play should have been blown dead by rule? Um, and I tell you right now, and biased as it may be, I'm a Saints fan. I'm a Saints fan, and I beyond to be totally honest with you, I do not care if it's a bad call. I don't care. I don't care about your bad call. I don't care about your complaining of a bad call. Uh, the Raiders fans that I've talked to, or the Raiders fan that I've talked to, uh, did not use it as an excuse. I mean, of course, it's a part of the game. Um, there's other calls, like the roughing the passer on Derek Carr. That was a love tap to the shoulder that was also called. So, there were some bad calls both ways. That officiating crew had a very rough day. Um, but, like I said, I, your bad calls, I don't feel sympathy for you. I do not really care. I am a Saints fan, and I just, I really, again, really just don't. Honestly, I don't give a shit. I really, I really don't. I don't feel bad for you, but uh, once again, Derek Carr uh, comes down to him, the fourth and goal, getting down there and just can't get the job done for the Las Vegas Raiders. A lot of times, I thought that they should have uh, the amount of times since he settled for field goals in this one. I really thought that uh, Vegas really a couple times could have snatched this game away and had you know the ability to do so and had you know the momentum to do so and they. Just really could not convert in the big spots. And as unfortunate as that call uh, comes down to be, uh, Vegas unable to pull it out in Cincinnati. Cincinnati moving on to face Tennessee in the divisional round. And while I took Tennessee in my original bracketology, my pick very well might be changing considering the play of Joe Burrow and his confidence and the play of Jamar Chase as well. Uh, But we'll have to see as it gets closer to that end of the week and the next batch of playoff football. But this was the opening game, and the opening game of me going 1-0, Chris Santos and I predicting this one, uh, Cincinnati, the Heat, Vegas not covering, but Cincinnati winning outright to move on to the next round. So the next one is the Buffalo Bills embarrassing Victory over the New England Patriots 47 to 17, shutting out New England in the first quarter, leading them by a score of 27 to 3 going into the break. Just Josh Allen, uh, team record five touchdown pass, a team playoff record of five touchdown passes two to Devin, I'm sorry, two to Dawson Knox. Uh Devin Singletary grabbed a couple scores as well. Uh, really just absolute domination by the Buffalo Bills. I picked them to win and cover and cover handily, and they did just that. You know, the, the Patriots, I think, are pretty ahead of their, you know, um, the, the process uh, in terms of, like, the rebuilding process. They were very ahead of schedule. Um, I think they peaked too early, and just down the stretch, they just looked like they were out of gas. They just looked like they could not maintain the level of intensity that won them a lot of those football games. You know, this is a well-coached team uh, by Bill Belichick. But, of course, there, there's some facets of it this year that, you know, the having their own punts blocked, leading the NFL in the category of, of their uh, having their punts blocked, their special team struggling, just, you know, at times looking unprepared, as noted in that one as well, um, not the best coach team this year you know bill is a very solid coach but you know just the the special team struggles right there bill has guys specifically on the roster to produce on special teams and just just no production on special teams this year you know whether it be Orszewski that might muff a punt or the punts getting blocked on on their end when they're punting away or just huge momentum swingers throughout the season and the Patriots like I said had a good run there where they corrected it, but as it faltered at the end of the season, once again, um, you see them fall to the Bills 47-17. They just could not compete in such a, you know, the hostile fire and such a fiery game from Josh Allen. Mac Jones, I wouldn't put this one on him. I mean, you'd be asking a lot for him to, you know, compete with 48, 50 points. Um, I wouldn't put it on that guy. I, I would put it on, you know, your defense really struggling. I mean Josh Allen is that guy, but forty-seven is is a is a lot. Uh, you know, I think you have some guys hurt on that Patriots defense. I don't like to just throw injuries out there if a guy's sucking, a guy's sucking. But if he's struggling due to the fact that he is hurt, um, but he still is their best option. I, I find I don't hold that against players. Um, but if they but I don't also like to just automatically give them the excuse of being injured if they're playing if they're not playing well, I'd like to know if they were healthy or not. Of course it would all come out with surgeries and whatnot. Um, as we look into that, but again, the bills winning, covering health, uh, covering very handedly, um, making me very happy as someone who does not like to see the Patriots fan base happy. Uh, of course they throw on their Buccaneers jerseys now and just get to root for Tom Brady. Like nothing ever happened, uh, which is just an absolute sin to sports fandom. And I cannot stand it. Glad I got that off my chest and said it just like that. But, you know, I've gone on in the past about it. You know, great quarterback, great organization, fan base, not a fan. Not a fan of their fan base. Um, An embarrassing loss to the Bills. Like I said, just not being able to match that intensity of that big winning run they put together. I really think they peaked then and ran out of gas as the season went on. As well as the coaching staff exhausting options to fix a lot of the things as well. Um, I think it's valuable playoff experience for Mac Jones, and it's valuable playoff experience for some guys, um, and could very well help the Patriots in the future. But they're going to need to develop some serious outside weapons and collect a lot of that defense now with the departure of Stephon Gilmore as well um, to get back to their elite levels and a lot of that play during the winning streak. The Bills, of course, now will travel up to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, where I will give you this. I think the Bills will take that one, but of course that will come on the pick show, I think outright just from thinking the Bills are my Super Bowl pick from the AFC, um, but it it definitely will be an entertaining game up in Kansas City. So of course you have the Buccaneers beating the Eagles by a score of 31-15. The Eagles doing everything they possibly could to backdoor to cover the over under in that one with the over under being set at 47 and finishing at 46. They really did everything they could to pull an actor uh, back to a cover on the over-under. Um, but Jalen Hurts not playing his best football. Of course, you know, not the most accurate thrower of the football. I'm not a big Jalen Hurts guy. Um, he struggled to throw the football accurate in this one, uh, throwing two interceptions. Didn't have the touchdown late. Uh, the o the o by the the ways there. Tom Brady two touchdowns, 271 yards, doing Tom Brady things. Uh, the backfield, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn, Giovanni Bernard, uh, both playing pretty well. Uh, the the Eagles just being absolutely looking absolutely drained in that first half and struggling into well into the third. They say catching they win late, but of course when the game was pre- pretty much over with the, the the Buccaneers already leading 31 to zip uh just a gross 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 uh football game at the end of it but I think you got to look at the positives with Devontae Smith looking very good um uh, I don't really know if you know what you have yet with Jalen Hurts I'm not a big Jalen Hurts guy you get a pretty talented team uh especially with three first round picks you got to make a decision if you think you're going to draft another guy or if he's your guy or if you move one of those for the guy you believe to be the guy yes no no sounds real insightful uh, but this one, I don't think was going to be that close either. The Philly, you know, late tried to do everything they could to to change that. Um, they did not. Like I said, the over/under the only thing in danger of the oh by the ways there. Um, this one's pretty straightforward, of course. LA traveling to Tampa, and we'll see if Tom Brady can you know defend that title, and if he does such a thing, if this will be his last time doing so, if this could, if he walks out on top at 44 years old. But that is all set to come. They would have to. You they still got two more games to to go through, but uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers looking you know still looking pretty good, even missing weapons such as Antonio Brown and you know, Chris Godwin. Of course, the other thing of note in that Tampa game was the video that I posted on my Twitter. If you haven't had yeah, haven't followed me on Twitter yet, go over to R- at Rufus Rundown on Twitter. Give me a follow there. Uh, the whole Bruce Arians getting fined fifty thousand for striking the player in the back of the head thing. I'm just, I, as a player, I mean, like, you know, he's got, everybody makes excuses, oh, he had a helmet on. Uh, for me, I, just for a guy, I, I, I get what he's trying to do stop him from pulling the guy off the pot out and getting the penalty. I just, as a player, if a coach came up to me and, like, just because I have a helmet on doesn't make it okay, if he comes up and strikes me like that with, like, violent intentions, that's, like, getting, like, the, the pressure in the moment, getting the best of him, it does not matter. Like, I am going to be very upset. And I am shocked that there was no not a greater reaction of that player to Bruce Arians there, him stomping over and coming over and clocking him in the back of the head. I I'd have been personally I'd been very pissed. I and and really no talent. I, I I if if a coach is gonna hit me like that I I'm gonna be pissed. I'm, I just I, I cannot you know just I'd be fuming. I, I I could not get up and play for a kind of coach like that if he's you know physically bashing me in the back of the helmet. Because he's he's I'm doing something in the wrong. You you can reprimand me. You can tell me I'm doing something wrong. You can get on me, get on my ass. That's sure. That's fine. But to to clock me in the back of the helmet and do stuff like that, just does I I would lose respect there I personally. I would lose respect there, and I know I think a lot of people, a lot of players would. But obviously, you know, he's got the Bucks playing at, at a high level of football, so it isn't going to sit that deeply. At least uh, as far as we know, uh, it's soon to be you know still to be seen with whether it happens with that player or not. But, you know, $50,000, and we move on with Bruce Arians and the Buccaneers. So, of course, the last one we have is Big Ben exiting to so Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs in a pretty lopsided loss, 42-21. The Chiefs really popping off in that second quarter and going all the way. Almost, like, literally the worst thing that this deal is going to have done was that scoop it score On the Wildcat play, I mean, you take the ball out of the arguably the best player in the NFL's hands, Pat Mahomes, to try a Wildcat look. I guess Wildcat's not really a terrible look uh, in the NFL or if you're going to run certain plays. Um, If you don't have the, you know, if you're trying to get a different look, but you you don't take it out of Pat Mahomes' hands. You don't take it out of Josh Allen's hands. You don't run read option. We have those guys because they are Wildcat, I should say. Because they can move pretty damn well themselves, you know. You might you might have overthought yourself there. You might, might have overthought that one, Andy Reid, but it doesn't matter. A huge win for the Chiefs. You know, you know, Big Ben going out, um, really with a you know emotional end to the season all the way until this one. Like I said the T.J. Watt strip sack, <laughs> the scoop and score, really just awoke a giant. I just it did. The Chiefs looked like they had no business in that game. Both teams going nothing out the first quarter, and then. The scoop and score happens, and just everybody really from Kansas City uh, locked right the hell in and just absolutely blew this one wide open. Um, you know, the Steelers trying to keep pace with a couple touchdowns each quarter, but it just not being anywhere close to enough to keep up with that Kansas City office. Jarek McKinnon playing well. It, like I said, that that, that scoop and score must have pissed off Pat uh, because he came out with a vengeance 42-21, sets up a very entertaining matchup with the bills of Buffalo at Arrowhead Stadium and very well I think I think the winner of that one will be set to go to the Super Bowl but we shall see but that wraps up the NFL Super wildcard weekend recap by me of course we will address some of it on the show with Chris Santos which I'm hoping to do Friday um, and that would again just stay tuned for that you know stay tuned to my social media's and whatnot as that goes on. So if you're looking for a new look and for a different brand to rock to stand out, I check out knowyourself.com to get all of your new clothing and new look needs. My roommate has a very very cool brand with a cool meaning behind all of his clothing, comfortable stuff, good looking stuff, and he's got some new tech suits dropping in the future as well. So the Information will be in the description for you to head over to his website and check it out and place your orders as soon as you can because I guarantee you're not going to want to wait long once you see what he's got to offer. So, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to take a look at this NFL mock draft 2022 Mel Kuyper's first of the year. Of course, the Jaguars at one and he has them going Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, a lot of people thinking Evan Neal the left tackle from Bama being in opportunity as well but he has Hutchinson going there being the best pass rusher off of the edge in the draft he's so well developed with his pass his pass rushing moves his speed his quickness his power he really is the complete package he would pair very well with Josh Allen both of them on each edge and you know when a defensive end finishes second in Heisman voting Uh, you tend to take notice of that. And I think as the outright number one talent, he certainly is. Um, But I I really do think that the Jaguars will go to protect Trevor Lawrence with Evan Neal, the left tackle from Alabama. And it will allow Hutchinson to fall to the Detroit Lions, and he will stay in Michigan there with that growing team. Of course, if Hutchinson is to go one, the Lions going with Thibodeau at two. Uh, very well could go with a left tackle as well. Evan Neal, I don't think is a bad pick at all. Um, that dude, he just big, tall, strong. He's not like the prototypical fat lineman. That dude's built just a just tall, lean muscle, just a beast. Um, and he has, uh, Mel Kuyper has him, Kayvon Thibodeau going to the Lions, Hudson going one. Evan Neal going to the Texans at three. Of course, they very well could end up with more first-round picks. Once they trade Deshaun Watson, if they decide to, if they don't go for Brian Flores and Brian Flores can't convince him to stay. Um, at four, the Jets go with Kyle Hamilton, which very well might be one of the best safety products in recent memory. He is a transcendent talent and really is a you can't miss with Kyle Hamilton. And he will be a fantastic piece to add to that Jets defense under coach Robert Sala. The Giants at five, they got him going Ikem Ekwanu, the offensive tackle from NC State. Uh, The NC State team really having a good run this season and he being a big part of it. The Giants, of course, need to figure out their offensive line situation to whether it be protect Daniel Jones or protect anyone out there. There were some improvements in some spots, obviously struggles in others and a lot of moves to be made by whichever GM steps into the Giants role next. At 6, he has Matt Rules Panthers, who held on to his job, but probably just barely. That seat's got to be about as hot as possible. Uh, Charles Cross out of Mississippi State, adding, again, to protect Sam Darnold back there, whoever the quarterback may be for the Carolina Panthers. We then move to 7, it's the New York Giants again via the Bears, as the Bears traded their first-round pick in this draft last year to the New York Giants to move up to draft Justin Fields. And now, well, they want the Giants to protect their quarterback with Ikwanu. God, I can't pronounce that. Um, at 5, they want them to go the other way with outside linebacker David Ajabo. Edge rusher out of Michigan. Again, on the opposite side of Aiden Hutchinson. A fantastic pass rusher. Can force fumbles. Can, you know, which a lot of strip sacks. Uh, very quick. Very impressive Pass rusher needs to improve against the run. Whether he does that as a defensive end or a linebacker in their screen in their scheme uh, is yet to be seen. But that will only play out in the future. Ojabo at seven to the Giants. Uh, at eight, we're looking at Derek Stingley, uh, the cornerback from LSU, who has been one of the top talents in you know for for a couple of years now. Even when he played as a true freshman. Has dealt with some injury issues, but is still a very locked down corner. And man, he pair well with AJ Terrell down there in Atlanta because Matt Ryan's, you know, Matt Ryan's their guy, whether they decide to go quarterback here or not, uh, yet to be seen. Same as the Giants. Giants very Walt well could go quarterback or one of those. Uh, I think they'll stick with Daniel Jones until his option runs out and see where they go from there. But Derek Stingley is who Mel Kuyper Lakes at eight to go to the Falcons. They very well could go with a quarterback, but Matt Ryan's worth a lot of money. And they could wait another year for you know the Bryce Young draft to come around as well as CJ Stroud. Uh, so Stingley solidifying their secondary there with him and AJ Terrell very well could be the way to go. At nine, he has the Broncos going with Nakobe Dean, the linebacker from Georgia, who can he can get in there for pressures. is very good tackler. Uh, is a just a fantastic all around player. Now of course they could go quarterback here as well as they are looking for one. Uh, because their defense is still fantastic as it is, he'd be a great piece to add. But without the quarterback, what good is all of it? Um, of course, the Mel Kiper believes and has heard from sources that they will go after a veteran free uh, a free agent or look to go via trade out there in Denver. Uh, hasn't worked very well for them recently. Doing either drafting or trading, or really finding free agents. But we'll see how the Denver Broncos move forward. Mel Kuyper likes N'Kobe the Dean there, who's a fantastic inside linebacker from the University of Georgia and was the instrumental part of their national championship run. The New York Jets at 10 via Seattle in the Jamal Adams trade. Quarterback Zach Wilson, you know, I, I think he really started to come into his own towards the end of the the season. I think he made uh, strides. Elijah Moore looked pretty good Braxton Burial's pretty solid. Jamison Crowder's always been a pretty solid wide receiver, but to get a guy like Drake London, who is 6'5 and is just an absolute deep ball, deep threat to go over the top of any secondary back, uh, would certainly be a solid add to that Jets offense. At 11, Mel Kuyper has Malik Willis, the quarterback from Liberty, who was sacked an outstanding 51 times uh, this past season. Um, he is seen as the most talented quarterback in the draft and most likely would take over right away for Taylor Heineke. Of course, Washington can make some trades and some moves as well. Deshaun Watson is still available. Uh, Derek Carr very well with, depending on the coaching hiring, uh, there could be conversations of him, uh, and who they're going to trade for. But Malik Willis is Mel Kiper's guide to go 11, be the first quarterback off the board. As we move to 12, the Vikings have struggled to draft, you know, Corners over time, while they might have had, you know, some quick success, uh long-time success, they have not, as a lot of them since 2013. Uh, they've drafted four cornerbacks in the first round, and not a single one of them still on this roster now. Of course, Zimmerman and Spielman are out. Uh, those are spots to be filled. And Kuiper likes Sauce Gardner, Ahmad Gardner, Sauce Gardner, from the Cincinnati Bearcats, uh, one of their top players in instrumental in their run to the college football playoff as the four-seed. He likes Sauce Gardner there to help really solidify that secondary with whoever is coming in after. Of course, it's gonna could be different with what they do with a new GM and new coach, but he likes Sauce Gardner there at 12. Next up is at 13, Garrett Wilson staying in Ohio going to the Cleveland Browns. Another weapon for Baker Mayfield. We'll see if he can make this one work. Of course, suffering through a lot of injuries this season and it really affecting his play Garrett Wilson's a guy who could take the top off the defense is a solid pass catcher and can also play in the slot. Very defined route runner. Uh, and will look to make a lot of plays again in Ohio and keep those fans happy. If he goes at 13 Browns very well could trade down um, in this one. I think that that would be, that could be an option for the Browns, but you know, the best, next best receiver off the board at the time is very well where they could go according to Mel Kuyper. At 14, the Ravens go with center Tyler Lindbaum. Uh, of course, Baltimore was banged up like crazy this year. Um, you know, injuries all over the place. Uh, but Bradley Bozeman, the center for the Ravens, did stay healthy, but he's a free agent. Um, and they very well might not be able to assign him. So Lindbaum would be the answer. If that is the case, you know, this is all before free agency. Um, even takes place so they might go with Lindbaum either way he can probably you know move to a different position on the offensive line other than center he could probably play one of the guard spots as well um, either one of those guys might be able to make the move but we shall see what the future holds in terms of free agency and how the Ravens rebuild an offensive line to protect Lamar Jackson and to just try and keep everybody healthy in all reality because that roster, when healthy, is certainly a playoff team. And Lamar Jackson is a top caliber quarterback when, you know, everybody's healthy. Not just him. You know, it's hard for him to stay healthy when everybody else is banged up as well. And he has twos and threes out there to protect him and make plays for him. At 15, the first of the Philadelphia Eagles' three first-round picks is Devin Lloyd out of Utah. That's the one via Miami. And then following that, they have Arnold Ebikite. The defensive end out of Penn State. So you get a pass rusher. You get a top-tier linebacker to help your defense. You get a pass rusher. And then, of course, the Eagles later on in the draft, uh, he has them going with Olave at 19. So linebacker and, and then a receiver to replace Jalen Rager to pair with Devontae Smith. Can you imagine a guy like Olave that can take the top off the defense and then a guy like Devontae Smith who also can do the same? It would be all the weapons that Jalen Hurts needs to grow, and we shall see if that is the route that they take. Uh, Devin Lloyd's been a fantastic uh, linebacker. I mean, of course, they could go quarterback with any of those. I don't think they will. Um, I think that they would go outside you know, like a, in terms of a trade. Uh, the, I don't think they would draft behind Jalen Hurts. I think they would go over the trade and use his value to pull in a guy like a Russell Wilson or something like that. But that remains to be seen yet. But they like the linebacker out of Utah. Like I said, the defensive end, Arnold, Ebikite out of Penn State. You know, Penn State closing out a decent season. And, you know, Ebikite you know, playing well down the stretch. Ebikite transferred in from Temple. And put up nine and a half sacks, 19 total tackles for loss, two forced fumbles. Um, is a very long, explosive player. Uh, can set the edge in the run game. Mel Kuyper, a big fan of him. At 17, we have the Los Angeles Chargers. And that is where nose tackle Jordan Davis could come off the board. Number 99 from Georgia, just a six foot six, 340-pound beast of a man um, that in a 3-4 defense will play a legitimate nose and just dominate double teams, triple teams, and dominate in the run game. And a team in the Los Angeles Chargers that obviously struggled mightily in their run game, and it should affected their offense and their level of play all around as well. Adding a guy like Jordan Davis as a can't-miss prospect um, into a 3-4 front that Brandon Staley does like to run would be incredible. At 18, my favorite pick, and no pun intended there, Kenny Pickett out of Pitt. He, Mel Kuyper likes Kenny Pickett to go right here to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, there's a worry about his hand size, which is always that weird one with NFL quarterbacks. But Jameis was looking pretty good until he tore his ACL actually a lot better he never really looked like these since his Florida State days until he turned it, until he stepped into the league. I thought he looked very good until his injury. There's no telling how he'll return from the injury or if he can get more money on the open market. Adding a guy like Kenny Pickett, who was an elite, elite player at Pitt. I think Pitt, Pickett's the best quarterback in this draft and will, will have a sustainable NFL career to come. He could be a star. Um, he just looks like that kind of playmaker. The, the, the way he can make moves out of the pocket as well, the fake slide, all of that. He's just a fantastic playmaker, and I think he has that it factor you want in your quarterback. I would love for the Saints to grab him at 18, and really just, I think it would take that team to where it needs to be in the next couple of years of that defense. I really could see good things from him in his second and third year, taking that step and leading us, you know, and keeping us in the playoffs for the foreseeable future. Kuyper likes QB Matt Corral out of Ole Miss at number twenty to third quarterback off the board. Steelers obviously losing Big Ben, uh, likely to retire. Uh, in it very, in, it very well could you know could be Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins, but you know, it's not exactly a favorite outcome. I I'm a little bit more on Dwayne Haskins getting the shot than I think anybody else is. I just think Tom had like this. You could, could work with him, but at the same time, you've heard some reports coming out of Pittsburgh where he's still not taking the game as seriously as they would like their quarterback and a guy that was drafted as high as, as him should be. So Matt Corral very well could be the answer there at 20 for the Pittsburgh Steelers. At 21, the New England Patriots are looking at Jameson Williams, who's you know suffered that torn ACL, that nasty injury in the national title game. Um, but he falls outside of the top ten where he should have been the first receiver off the board. He will fall at ACL injury um, to this pick here for the Patriots, who can add a legitimate, cheap rookie threat on the outside. Of course, Mac Jones, Barmore, Ramondre Stevenson, um, all you know, all guys they got last year and have all you know really produced. Uh, so I mean, Belichick not a very lucky. Drafter In terms of the receivers he picks up, Jamison Williams very well could break that streak and could add to two uh, very, very good playmakers in Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne. Uh, Nikhil Harry obviously being the last first-round pick at receiver for the Patriots and not at all being that guy pal. Um, And and Aguilar really not being a guy that stretched the field that they thought he would, Jamison Williams very well could do that for the Patriots and could build a great relationship with Mac Jones there in New England. So at 22, we have the Raiders going with Andrew Booth Jr., who's a Clemson cornerback, 6-foot press corner. Uh, Of course, Nate Hobbs, a 5th-round pick for the Raiders in last year's draft and really turned into a pretty nice find. But you lose guys like Damon Arnett with a thing that happened on Twitter and social media, threatening to kill people, flashing guns, stuff like that. Uh, Damon Arnett, of course, then being cut by the Raiders, um, a former— high draft pick of course uh no more mike mayock different gm uh most likely set to come in is a new coach as well very well could be jim harbaugh but right here Kuiper thinks going with a corner could certainly help out that secondary uh and really solidify it and, and give it some stability in the back end so the arizona cardinals at 23 uh adding some edge pressure with george kara leftist uh, of course, the Cardinals down the stretch um, just not playing up to how they started the season, crashing out with a disappointing loss to the LA Rams. Of course, you expect a lot of guys there, young guys to take steps forward. guy like DeAndre Hopkins to be back. Uh, and Carol Aftis is you know, a bigger end uh, who might be a better guy in the 3-4 defense in terms of you know, where he can play one of those three techs or on the edge, where he can set being the bigger guy in a three front. Um, and he had a great pressure rate in college in terms of putting pressure on the quarterback. Might not always get the sack, but, you know, in terms of pressure, he was up there too. And being a bigger guy, being successful against the run, Kara lapis looking like the pick there for the Cardinals, uh, at least according to Mel Kuyper Jr., at 24, Trevon Walker, the defensive end from Georgia, adding some more edge pressure considering the fact that there are a, a lot of free agents leaving this Dallas team like Van Der Ash, Randy Gregory, Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz. Of course, Gallup, they could get back on a decent deal considering the injury that he suffered through that season. Uh, but Trevon Walker, uh, McShay recently called you know a very underrated uh, prospect in this draft. Stands out at 6'5", 275, and certainly can play a lot of positions if it's a different scheme from Quinn's, if someone else comes in, if Quinn gets a job. um, Has a lot of versatility at that size with his physical abilities. Trevon Walker would be the pick at 24 for the Cowboys here. At 25, he has Trevor Penning, an offensive tackle from Northern Iowa, going to the Cincinnati Bengals to help protect Joe Burrow. Of course, they could have gone with Panay Sewell, and a lot of people expect them to go Panay Sewell. Joe Burrow sacked quite a bit this year, third most in the league with 55 times. But it's hard, if not impossible, to see how you could pass up on Jamar Chase now. You can continue to build up that offensive line and really elevate this Bengals team going forward. You protect Burrow, he gets the ball to Chase, who's been one of the most iconic rookies I've seen in a long time. Um, I. I can definitely see the Bengals maybe if they don't go here, even trading up for an offensive lineman to protect Broadway Joe. So at number 26, the Dolphins via the San Francisco 49s would we'll go with Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. A very speedy wide receiver to pair with the young Jalen Waddle, considering there aren't a lot of offensive linemen available at this point in the draft. The Dolphins very well, when the time comes, could trade down to grab one of those old linemen. Uh, But, you know, considering we're not factoring trades into this mock draft, Jahan Dotson being the answer to help out to a tackle by Loa with not a lot of linemen available at this 26 spot. Of course, they very well could move up or move down depending on how the cookie crumbles. But, again, all intents and purposes, the speedy wide receiver from Penn State who put up 91 catches, 1,182 yards, and 12 touchdowns this past season would pair well with Jalen Waddell catching 104 passes as a rookie and trying to see if it's who it is your guy, which whatever offensive guy or offensive mind most likely will be set to go coach the Miami Dolphins. At 27, the Bills going with Trent McDuffie, the cornerback out of the University of Washington. Of course, Shredavius White uh missing, you know, most of the season with the season-ending knee injury, which of course, you know, the cornerback depth chart is hurt by that. Shredavia's White being one of the best corners in the league. He added another corner, like McDuffie, to pair with Tredavious White when he's healthy. Um, Really, really could be a good staple to an already elite Bill seconder, even without Tredavious White this season. Uh, Very well could be a solid pick with a great corner, Trent McDuffie, coming out of the University of Washington. At 28, Kuyper has Sam Howell to be the fourth quarterback off the board. Um, Not sold on Jared Goff. I don't think a lot of people are. Um you can take this pick here via the Rams, the the Rams pick that they gave you with Jared Goff for Matthew Stafford. You could use it on a quarterback, you could you know, you could see what you have with Goff and you could then um you know work this guy in behind. Don't throw him straight into the fire, and then you could all it would also would elevate the play of Goff and maybe you have something there with the former number one overall pick. But Sam Howell, the quarterback out of North Carolina at twenty-eight. Not that North Carolina quarterbacks have really had great success recently, Mitchell Trubisky, in the league. At 29, the Chiefs going with Cameron Thomas, the defensive end out of San Diego State. They've adjusted their offensive line, have great playmakers on offense, but need to add pressure from the defensive line. Cam Thomas, very versatile player, can play both D-tackle and DN in those four fronts, and really would be incredible next. We've like Chris Jones who's already double-teamed enough. Would really be an impact player straight away, like they always are for the, San- for the Kansas City Chiefs. The defensive end, Cam Thomas, out of San Diego State at 29. At 30, we have DeMarvin Leal, a defensive lineman from Texas a and uh, A lot of free agents leaving, including a defensive end or outside edge rusher, Jason Pierre-Paul. Uh, Sue is, is is getting up there in age as well. Depending on this run, we'll see what his future holds. A defensive lineman, DeMarvin Real, 290 pounds. Uh, could play D end in a 3 4. You know, he could play that 3 tech, or he could play, you know, a tackle in the 4 3 tech tackle in the 4 3 as well. You could play on the edge as a 3 4. Depends on where they're going to look, Tampa, in terms of those schemes, but he could be an effective player in that sense with, you know, versatility with his size. The Titans at 31. Kyler Gordon, the other. Washington cornerback um Caleb Farley was the guy that they took last year that had the back problems that actually looked pretty good but uh, torn ACL ended his you know season after two games um so it's it, it they very well could go corner again with uh his teammate Trent Mc, uh, the teammate of Trent McDuffie in Kyler Gordon and can play, you know, slot outside is a very effective play all over the place and can is a pretty sure tackler. And for a secondary guy that could also probably rotate to one of the high safety positions as well. Uh, and Kyler Gordon out of the University of Washington. And then at 32, Trey McBride, the top tight end out of Colorado State. If Aaron Rodgers is staying, uh, certainly can help bolster the offense with a first round pick of a tight end to help, you know. Checkdowns, vertical and a very good blocker would really add a lot to this green bay offense that has two you know very high level running backs has probably the best receiver in the nfl um maybe outside of yeah De- deandre hopkins uh this would be another great offensive weapon to add for aaron Rodgers and the green bay packers and that rounds out the first round no trades mock draft by Mel Kuiper Jr. It is starting to get around to draft time, which I really enjoy. The Combines back this year and teams moving up and down and everything flying all over the place. Um, at the end of the day, I just hope my boys can get Kenny Pickett out of the University of Pittsburgh. But still so much to play out between free agency and the Combines and physicals, everything like that. There's so much that's going to be set to play out. So I'm interested to see how all of this, all of the draft stuff goes moving forward, as well as the rest of the NFL playoffs. So the next one I have is NFL coaching positions, the best fits for certain teams, coaches on the market, where I think they should go. Uh, just to briefly run it down, uh, Jaguars, Byron Leftwich, the recovery story there with him as a head coach. Of course, the thing is him him being the offensive coordinator and offense with Tom Brady, obviously a lot to learn from Tom. Terrific and a lot of experience there with a fantastic, if not, the greatest quarterback of all time left, which could go down there, give a lot of those tips and tricks to Trevor Lawrence, get a head coaching gig and try to rebuild that Jaguars team and have a really cool recovery arc from not so good player to good to great head coach. Uh, the next one on the list, Houston Texans. Uh, I've been looking at Flores and a couple of different guys. Um, Flores, you know, if he can you know, talk Deshaun into staying, that would be pretty cool, but doubt that is the way it goes. I think Gerard Mayo and a Patriots guy for Casario is going to be the move for them. And I think Gerard Mayo should be the favorite there to, you know, stay with, you know, go defensive head coach. Davis Mills, uh, roll with him, try to protect him. And then maybe move on a more, a even greater quarterback in the years to come. Uh, but maybe through the draft next year. Um we shall see, but a defensive head coach like Gerard Mayo under you know, Nick Casario, I, I think it's going to be a connection to the Patriots somehow, someway, with Casario at charge, in charge. Uh, the next one being the Bears. I think Brian Flores should go here. I think Brian Flores should go here, and he should trade Justin Fields for Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, of course, really wanting to play for Brian Flores. So you can flip uh, Justin Fields down to the Texans. The Texans, of course, could build with Justin Fields at quarterback with their next Head coach that builds up a defense around the young kid. Uh, I would go. I would. I would definitely rock with Brian Flores if I was the Bears. He can rebuild that entire roster and he'll get his quarterback into Sean Watson and really turn them into instant contenders in the NFC. You're playing the same division as Aaron Rodgers, and that would certainly give us exciting two games a year between Rodgers and Deshaun if Rodgers is set to stay in Green Bay. Next up is obviously Jim Harbaugh to the Raiders. I would love to see Harbaugh go to the Raiders. Versace has done great, done a lot of great things, handwriting letters to each player after the game. Uh, You name it, is a great guy, and I hope there's somehow, some way, he's able to stay around, but I do think that Jim Harbaugh would be the right call uh, at head coach. They very well might not hire a GM, and they might let him do both with the player personnel because, of course, remember when he left San Francisco, he really clashed with San Francisco ownership and the GM's office, but I think Jim Harbaugh would be a great fit in that Las Vegas Raiders culture. The next one up is the New York Giants. Now, here's your bonus, coaching. I think that the Cowboys should fire Mike McCarthy, but stay in-house and hire Kellen Moore. I think Kellen Moore would be the answer head coach, Um, a young guy that might be able to rate the players more and certainly elevate their level of discipline, uh, depending on the coaching staff he can bring in, but who wouldn't want to take a shot on the Dallas Cowboys, Uh, which very well might leave the door open to Mike McCarthy going straight to the New York Giants. You know, I really don't know who wants to touch the New York Giants, because again, I think that they are just a disaster and are really set up for failure. Uh, a guy I'll throw out there that I think should get a bid anywhere really is Dennis Allen from the Saints. He's not really getting a lot of interviews, very similar to how Eric Bieniemy has not been a favorite the last couple of years, even though the last couple of trending, you know, trending guys out of that Chief system, you know, were favorites. Uh, but maybe like the results of Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson have scared people away from the enemy as well. Um, after the success of of Coach Dan Campbell in Detroit, uh, coming from tight ends coach and special teams coordinator with the New Orleans Saints, Dennis Allen, I think, could you know, build a similar culture and might be the answer for the New York Giants, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, the Broncos, the favorite right now is Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn getting another spot, uh, another spot to be a head coach. And you know, building on an already fantastic Denver Broncos defense, and then finding an offensive coordinator that can make it all work for him, and if they can find the quarterback too, that's going to be huge for the Broncos. it, before the, co- I mean, not really, you can't go before the coach, but the real one thing that they have to get right is the quarterback situation there in Denver. Uh, next up is the Vikings. Doug Peterson looks to be the favorite for the Vikings, and. Why not? He won a Super Bowl with an obviously mediocre quarterback. Why can't he do it again with Kirk Cousins, who's slightly above mediocre in terms of where a lot of people would rank him? Um, I definitely think Kirk Cousins is better than Nick Foles. So let's see if he can work his magic with another quarterback in the similar similar uh, skill set realm. I have the Dolphins. The Dolphins, yes. Brian Dabble. It has to be Brian Dabble. They, the ownership wants a guy that believes and can work with Tua – his offensive coordinator at Alabama that worked with Tua is Brian Dabble. I think it's a slam dunk pick to take Brian Dabble to work with Tua. And if it doesn't work out with Tua, it doesn't work out with Tua. But you have to find a guy that's at least going to be very committed and has a resume of making it work, especially with that guy. I think Brian Dabble would be a, great, you know, it'd be a great opportunity for Brian Dabble to work with Tua and would be the best option if is what you really want is to elevate Tua's game to elevate your team to that next level. So we get to round it out with some NBA talk. Of course, the Celtics, Nuggets, and Spurs making a three-team deal, including Bull Bull. Uh, a couple of injured players at the Celtics very well could flip to a team like OKC to build up towards their salary floor. I don't I, I don't see the C's keeping these guys. Uh, I see them flipping them somehow or some way for cap space. Uh, the Nuggets get Bryn Forbes to add to some rotational scoring from the guard position uh, not having the best year in San Antonio, but as a veteran presence on that Denver team. Uh, the Spurs getting Juan Hernan Gomez, a second round pick, and $2.25 million as to where they can just ditch Hernan Gomez. Uh, and it gets them a little bit lower from an already steep way of where they're away from that luxury tax. Certainly a salary cap move for the Spurs and getting the second round pick in exchange for Bryn Forbes. Uh, and then the other NBA talk that we have is just how bad of a look it would be for the NBA in in, in Kyrie Irving to have success. I, you know, Kyrie's played pretty well since he's come back. Uh, KD, you know, injuring his MCL, his movement patterns are terrible, his knee's hurting. And you know what? Your movement patterns probably aren't the best either. And if your, knee your knees and joints are in pain and your movement patterns are questionable if you're an athlete or just someone who's looking to feel better jared antel is the guy you're going to look to go to jared antel's performance strength and conditioning i'll have his information linked in the description so you can get in touch with him and start to work on your craft correct your movement patterns and just all around feel better and move better whether you're an athlete trying to progress yourself or just trying to get into better shape or feel better, he's the guy you're going to want to go to. So check out Jared Ancel's performance strength and conditioning. So now back to what I was talking about with the injury struggles of Kevin Durant and his terrible ankle bone low movement patterns um it would be terrible if the next <laughs> win a title like this with Kyrie or the music that it's just a stop forcing around you but I got play the games the big games that he wants to you know to play in um it very it for, for, for less money as well too But Kyrie You know Just off on his own Thing It would look terrible For the NBA For this to happen Or hurt the league If you just a part time player Steps in and helps them win The title Because it would open up the door To so many different Opportunities and possibilities For stuff like this To kill the game In the future You know You give all the players This power in this league They really like Adam Silver He's forward thinking But if this comes around, I think it would really hurt the NBA and the foundation of where it's at. So, uh, you know, you have the NBA trade deadline coming up. And one thing that I think should happen, I guess, to close out this episode, you guys know that I haven't been a Jason Tatum fan for a very long time. Uh, People are starting to see the light that I shined quite a while ago. And I, I still have to dig up my predictions from well long ago. Uh, that literally led right up to the Evan Fournier trade, and the results of these seasons that the Celtics have had since the playoff loss to the Miami Heat in the bubble. Uh, they need to blow it up. I, I quite honestly, I think they should blow it up. They should they should blow it up with everybody except Jalen Brown. Now, I'm not building around Jalen Brown as my one. I'm not even building around him as my two, but he is my three. But he is the culture setter. I just don't. Jason Tatum doesn't have that it factor. Hasn't developed that it factor. I am not, just, I'm just not a fan. I wasn't a fan. I started becoming become a fan with a 60-point game and all the playoff runs. I am no, I'm off. I'm totally off the Jason Tatum trade. I am ready to ship him out of town as soon as possible, get as much as I can get in, and again, rebuild this roster. Whether Brad Stevens is the guy that you want doing that or is the guy that will be willing to take that those chances and that happen, you know, I'm not sure. They might move another GM in there to do something like that. I don't think Brad Stevens would be the answer there. I think he's just holding the chair right now so he can get you know a little more paycheck. But I don't see the Celtics making any drastic moves. And I don't see them drastically moving up in the eastern standings either. I can see the mediocrity existing for quite a while in Boston. But I want them to really just blow it up. Maybe you keep Rob Williams with JB. Uh, but Tatum, I am out on Tatum. I am off Tatum. I am ready to move off Tatum. There is a vibe there. There is a gut instinct. And I am finally saying it. To move off Tatum. I didn't say it as early on. Didn't think he was that guy. It's time to move off Jason Tatum. If the Celtics. I'm ready to rock with Jalen Brown. Maybe Rob Robert Williams. But I'm ready to rock with Jalen Brown. And, and rebuild with the picks. And rebuild with the assets. And maybe pull a legitimate superstar back. In exchange for Jason Tatum. But that is all the time I have for you guys on today's show. Uh, hopefully the quality is good enough. And hopefully I can get this out onto all the different platforms as soon as possible. Of course, all this going down before the NBA games tonight on the Wednesday. Um, hopefully, I, I can everything goes swell with my MacBook for now until I get my next laptop, which hopefully I might be able to grab this weekend. Um, but until then, it's your boy Rufus signing off.